This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Today's guest is Sheila Wysocki. Sheila Wysocki became a private investigator late in life to investigate the murder of her roommate, Angela Samata. And she's continued on being an investigator who helps victims who've given up hope with cold cases. I'm so excited to have her on. She is an amazing individual. This is Unstructured. Thanks for coming on, Sheila. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for asking me. I appreciate it. I... I'm really, really honored to have you. And I love the your story. I love the fact that you were living one life and later on in life, you just said, okay, I want to do something else. And that is a, a remarkable thing. Now, you became a PI in 2013, is that correct? 20, no, 2004. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I became a, a PI in 2004. 2013 is when I became a PI for other reasons, 2004, uh, I became a PI to solve my roommate's murder. 2013, I actually it was 2010. Um, I was going to retire my license because the guy that murdered my roommate was convicted and is on death row. Now that's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So you, you became a PI just to get access. Yes. Well, not, not in respect, to... I thought if I became a PI, this is how stupid I was. If I thought, um, I thought if I became a PI, that the police would open arms and embrace me, which didn't <laughs> happen. Yeah, and I definitely want to cover that. I just think that's an interesting angle that you want information and you found a way. So they didn't open their arms and embrace you. You could force them. No, so I, that was good. Yes. Yeah, I got what I wanted. <laughs> One way or another. Right. I'm surprised too that um I guess you probably would have wound up being either a PI or an investigative journalist. I think you're both when you're a PI. Are you? Okay. That makes and sense. a podcaster. Now, absolutely. Yeah. A very successful show too. It's doing well and I appreciate the listeners. Um, and let's spin into that because one of the questions I had for you is you are investigating cases and these are potentially murder trials. Last time I check, that ain't cheap. No. So how are these families funding this? How are you being funded? This is, you're not a charity, are you? Well, <laughs> you have to ask my husband and my boys. Um, so... A couple of things on how is it being funded when someone hires me, this is what I tell them now because I know the routine and I know the process. They have to have a hundred thousand dollars. That's not my fee. That's, that's the process fee of getting experts and getting their case truly investigated. 
So if you don't have a hundred grand and if you're going to court, you better have half a million. So my cases, unfortunately can take up to, I'm on two cases at five years, but mm. I don't give up on the cases. So, um, I do pro bono work, not a lot because I don't have as much time as I used to. Um, so yes, I do have a 501c3 and investigators help me investigate the podcast I've done on my own. And that was surprising how expensive it was. So I had editors Ooh. and well, I brought in really good editors and um, my we just did our taxes. We're at a hundred grand on it. I know. Don't oh, pass wow. out. My husband is about to, he's an accountant, a CPA. <laughs> Bad combo. <laughs> he is having, so I had to go ahead and start getting uh, sponsors to help out. Good. Is that helping cut into that? I have yet to get a check, but I Ooh. have sponsors now. That's a start. <laughs> The problem is, uh, and I could tell you from running a podcast myself, I'm treating it as if it's a restaurant that I opened. Typically, it takes two years of losing money before you ever think about turning a profit or even breaking even in a restaurant. Good to know. And of course, my, you know, Eric, you and I have um, a podcast going, you know how hard it is. I have five years of audio that I'm pulling and working on mm -hmm. and no one knows it as well as I do. So in order to cut costs, I've started doing the editing and I've started doing everything but the mixing and mastering and um, that's cut the cost and brought in sponsors. And I have really good national sponsors that have approached me and oh, good. that's good. Um, but it's uber expensive. I don't have the families fund it because I don't want two things. I don't want to be dictated what I should and should not say. Sure. And they've already put like the Lauren Agee case. She's already in 300 grand for her case just to find answers. Hello. I believe it. I had a lawyer on Richie Lamuro. He's a trial lawyer out of New Jersey. He's at the state bar and can argue in front of the state Supreme court now. And he talked about what people don't see, which is as the defense, you have to come up with everything. You have to pay for your own experts, your own forensic technicians, you know, all these people, whereas the state has a bottomless pool. So they, they literally have an army potentially that you may be going against. Right. In my cases, Eric, the reason they cost so much is I insist that we have everything. So I bring in, if you are handed a case from me, you have had the best experts, like a hydrologist who even knew what that was before. Right. And, and you've had the best person to look at the case because I don't want to tell the parents this is what happened and it wasn't what happened. I want to scientifically prove what happened. Now this comes out of personal experience, correct? Because you suspected somebody in your roommate's murder for the majority of your life or, or you know, a big chunk of it. And you were wrong, which nothing is you. I mean, we are often wrong and everything lined up against him. The interesting thing is when I initially was told about his name's Russell and, and he and I are great friends. Um, I talk about him a lot, but that is the reason 
because the police, when I, I was 20, so of course I mm. believed everything I was told by a, a homicide detective. And he um, said, this is our guy. And then he laid out a case, 20 years old, police know everything. Of course, that's back in the 80s where you didn't question authority at all. Sure. And so I was told. Especially in Texas. You were in Texas. Absolutely. So even more there. I mean, they questioned a little bit in New York. <laughs> you, you know what? Good, good, good observation. You're right. But, you know, here I am. I'm devastated. I've got, uh, I've seen pictures I never thought I would see in my entire life with someone I cared about. And I'm being told the guy who did it, and this is the reason why and how he did it all made sense to me. So for, you're exactly right. For until 2004, that's who I thought, actually until 2000 nine i thought he did it then he didn't so now in my cases we don't have that we we go in and we get the scientific proof and i can sit down and scientifically say to the families this is what i believe and i can't help but say but thank god for dna without that you still suspect him very possibly you know what thank god for dna and Yes, that whole thing changed. And thank God for all the scientific trace evidence advancements. Now, that makes me wonder, and I want to go down this path because we were discussing beforehand about police and um, I'm going to say cognitive bias, I think is a huge problem. Why is it I keep reading over and over and over about a death row inmate or another inmate, somebody who's just saying, all I want is for you to run DNA. Please just run DNA on the crime scene. And prosecutors and police are just, some of them just, they fight it tooth and nail and will not do this. Do, do you have any speculation as to why? I think that is a question that's ongoing everywhere. I ask that same question. Why? Why not go and find the truth? What what difference does it make? So you have the human factor. And this is this is purely my opinion. But um, there are cases where the police just don't like you. They want to put you away, clear their case, easy. Just Is Mercy, that, that movie coming out in February with Michael B. Jordan. I was on the set of that watching the trial scene. And that's the Brian Stevens movie, St Brian Stevenson's movie. And he gets people off death row. I don't work death row cases because there are so many people out there working them. Right. The Innocence Project. I have so much respect for those people. I work with victims' families, but on death row, you've got people that were put there because the local police don't care for them or the prosecutor hid some evidence, and it is a systemic problem. Now, is that what it is? Let me speculate. You you just pop something in my head. Is it a case of, okay, well, maybe he didn't do that, but he did 10 other things? That is it. <laughs> and when that movie comes out, that Just Mercy movie comes out, I would love for you to watch it and tell me what you think. Yeah, especially if you're a technical consultant on it. That's pretty cool. I'm not a technical consultant. They invited me up uh, because I work the opposite end. I work for victims' families. 
I see. And um, I wanted to see how they were uh, presenting this movie, if they were accurate or not. They had Brie Larson's and uh, Brie Larson, uh, Jamie Foxx, and Michael B. Jordan. It was, it, it's going to be a very good movie. And what's interesting about it, they were so true to the facts, and I didn't know if they would or would not be. Oh, good. They were. Okay, that's good. Good to hear. On that, you yourself have had trouble with law enforcement, it seems, in multiple locations. And probably, I'd say the crowning example is the Holly Bobo case. Would that be fair? That is fair. So, um, yes, I am asked a lot, who am I scared of when I work cases? And my answer, unfortunately, is generally law enforcement. Because I'm set up to go in and criticize them. And first of all, I am a female. I'm older female. And I go in saying, in a nice Southern way, hey, guys, you got it wrong. Doesn't matter. And I think, you know, I joke about it because you have to, because it is completely scary. Plus, I go after judges. Not, I don't go after. I criticize judges. I criticize everybody in authority. And so in a DA, oh my gosh, I criticize DAs. So they don't care for me. Now, I do have some that work with me. Interesting enough, recently, the ones that have worked with me lost their jobs. Mm. And you've had a reporter lose um, his or her job too. Is that Dennis Ferrier? Dennis Ferrier. So let me tell you about that. Uh, Let's go through the whole story. Yeah, I definitely want (laughs) to. Okay. So it's a horrible story because, uh, this is when I was naive where I thought, Hey, we're rowing to the same finish line. We all want to find out what happened to this young lady. Mm -hmm. I had suspects. I had worked with the family, developed a, uh, an idea of what happened And the reporter and I decided, hey, let's get some press on it. We'll do kind of a documentary style, five-day, you know, one after another talking about it. So one of the things I do in all my cases is a reenactment of what's been told. So Mm -hmm. you uh, are a witness and you've given a statement. We reenact it. So what the reporter and I did is we reenacted everything. Okay. To the point, this is how detailed I am, to the point the brother in that case said he saw the guy in camo. We mm-hmm. had the camo that he said he saw on the person reenacting the case. Let's back up a little bit just so people understand it. In the Holly Bobo case, we had a young woman who was kidnapped or abducted from her property while her brother was at home. And the brother potentially witnessed it? Yes. Okay. And can we continue on that? I just wanted to lay Absolutely. So the, um, the reporter and I did a lot of filming with the cooperation of the family. And understand in all my cases, I have full cooperation of the family. Okay. So we do this. And unfortunately, it does not show well to the state police, TBI. And I started hearing from some of my friends. And that's Tennessee Bureau of Investigation? 
Correct. At that time, Mark Gwynn was the head of TBI. And one of the statements that was repeated to me was, Mark Gwynn was so mad at me. He has never been madder in his entire life than (laughs) when, when we did this. And my response was, I would think when a 20-year-old girl was abducted from the back of her home, that's when you're the maddest, not when someone is out there saying, let's solve it. Now, some of this was a conflict between the original investigator and you, or is it later investigators? Because I think Terry Dykus was the original investigator. Is that correct? (laughs) Um, no, the conflict was I showed them up on TV, period. That they okay. were they were being inept. They weren't doing their job. And he was relatively inexperienced. I don't know. Terry signed the warrant uh, and the subpoenas on my searching my house. Really? Yeah. Terry so what were they searching for? Oh, okay, we got to back up now. Okay. Why, why, why were they searching your house? Uh, oh, they came, the intimidation. So they came to the house and they intimidated me several times and took things. Uh, they got subpoenas for Google. They got, they, you know, hey, you could read whatever, um, whatever on my internet. I don't put Well, this, this is important because we need to know this. I mean, potentially you're saying any citizen could be targeted. Yes, in it, 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 we're seeing it right now. I mean, nationally, and I know, I know, I wasn't the only one in this case that was targeted. And so, what were they ostensibly claiming in order to get a subpoena? I I know I'm getting really detail oriented, but I, yep. you know, it's kind of scary, and I think that people want to know. Trust me. Okay, um, why? Or, you know, what can they say to just go through all of our stuff and our emails? I mean, that's some private matters. They were saying that I was obstructing an ongoing investigation, but they didn't even need that. They could have gone in saying, you know, they don't like me. And they would have, in Tennessee, you're going to have a judge sign off on that. And in Tennessee, you're going to have people happy to go and intimidate a, a citizen. Now, is this a Tennessee problem? Is it more of a problem there or is this systemic throughout the country? Is it a Tennessee problem? I'm more of aware, uh, obviously I'm aware of it here because it personally happened to me and they wanted to shut me down. And the DA said he was going to arrest me uh, for obstruction of justice and they uh, went to, as I understand it, for the reporter, who's he's the only reporter, by the way, that stood by me. <laughs> and to give him, you know, props, Dennis Ferrier of Nashville 17 now, I think. Fox 17 now. Yeah. So channel, this is interesting to me. So, you know, they, um, what they did, Eric, was they intimidated me. They told me, you know, uh, <laughs> not to speed. And I mean, who does that? And they interviewed as many people as they could trying to build a case against me. On obstruction? On anything, not on in anything, 
They okay. wanted to get me for something. So they got my Google and probably, you know, I get prayers sent in every day. I get, you know, people asking me to do reality shows every day. So they got to read all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But you can also get private information from relatives that they should know nothing about. Or, exactly. I mean, or, or case information that potentially could be against them. Exactly. They got it, though. Hmm. They got it more than once. They got it for a while. Hopefully you have taken steps to help mitigate that in the future. Well, interesting you should bring that up because working the Lauren Agee case, I was brushing my teeth one morning and I had my computer up. I had been working on it. And all of a sudden my mouse starts moving around. Mm. I had toothpaste in my mouth brushing and I yelled to my husband, go get my phone. And the files that were being opened were the Lauren Agee case. Now, mm. this point, I have pretty good security. So there right. are only two groups that could break in like that. Hmm. So um, it, are you if you're targeted, are you forever targeted? Probably. I've had, um, I, I don't know if you know her, but Emmy winning uh, journalist and anchor Cheryl Atkinson. I know who she on is. Show. She also was hacked by um, somebody in the Obama administration. We, we don't know, you know, right. which department, but <clears throat> yeah, she had that and she's in an ongoing case at this point. Right. Similar thing. So yeah, it does happen. And out of curiosity with like, for example, your email, you work for some attorneys. Yes. Is it possible to have an account tied through them so you can't just break into the account because of a work product that potentially? So I think you and I may have a difference of opinion here. You're thinking that someone who's breaking into a computer is going to be respectful to an attorney's email address. Tie. Well, no, 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 no. I'm thinking that you can prosecute them later. <laughs> I, I I know you know potentially that yes anybody can do anything they want. You were you're in the business. You capture information that people don't want to share. Right, but I do it legally. Okay, but you could do it illegally. You know the tricks. You know how. I right. I. It's possible. It's if I went down that road, I'm sure I could. So somebody else could do it to you. It, uh, they do do it. So uh, that, that's what all I'm saying is that yeah 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 you understand that, but. All you can do is try to mitigate things as much as possible. You're right. They may or may not respect it. But then if you catch them, at least then you have um, very actionable. Right. Um, uh, my new thing is uh, Proton Mail. I was going to say Proton Mail and encryption. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the things I don't care about can come through my regular account. But anything that's important goes through Proton or Hush, you know, yeah. any of those. And the iPhone, they're doing a good job with that. I don't trust the phones no matter what. Well, I'm just saying in terms of keeping the data there. Now, if you use iCloud, they can get it off of the server. Sure. But um, using ProtonMail on the iPhone, you're in pretty good shape. Right. And, you know, I, I make decisions on how I do things because of that. Because I know, first of all, I know the bad guys can get it. And I know that... Um, you don't know who the, I think I know who the bad guys are. It's not who I expected, but you know, I try to keep things. 
I still like paper. Well, let's go into that because, you know, I have you ever heard of Hanlon's razor? No. Okay. Hanlon's razor, and I'll probably butcher it a little bit, but it is essentially never ascribed to malice that which can be explained by stupidity. Right. Is that possibly the case for a lot of these things? And I, I want to go into the Lauren Agee case. Okay. From everything I've seen, the investigator was woefully unqualified to even be on that case. Correct. It sounds like he just didn't do anything he, except write a paragraph. He admitted that in a deposition. He didn't do anything. Neither did the right. sheriff. One thing after another. He just said, um, did you do this? No. Why not? I just didn't. Did you do this? Why not? I just didn't. I've never actually heard anybody say, I just didn't. I've never heard that as a follow-up. No, that was unique. I mean, it's like, but he was being truthful, I guess. It's just, it's mind-boggling. He was now, being truthful. Is this a case, though, and I'm going to draw a weird parallel because my mind is twisted, of like Lance Armstrong. Now, in this case, you have an incompetent investigator. He drops the ball, makes a mistake makes a few mistakes. We're trying to cover him, make sure he's okay. We have Lance Armstrong. He's cheating. Everybody else is cheating. People start to look at him. He attacks the people who are looking at him. People are starting to look at the investigator. That looks poorly upon the sheriff. The sheriff is an elected position. And I'm going to guess that Hannah has a family of influence because her part of the case seems to have been pushed back on the hardest. Now, is this what's going on here is just a cascade of errors and people keeping on doubling down, doubling down, doubling down to cover themselves? What are your thoughts? I, I see what you're saying. And I'm thinking through about the Lance Armstrong thing. I never thought about that. Um, I'm sure you didn't. I'm no, with. it's great. It's great. But, what a but great that's not crime is, isn't it? I mean, or, or, or a lot of things, especially like fraud. A lot of fraud starts with borrowing paper clips for the house. That's so funny. You're right. Um, so I think that I think the difference between the analogy is Lance Armstrong is an intelligent person. <laughs> okay, that's true. Yes, he is. So and you're he's giving, also a super athlete. Yes. He, regardless. I mean, strategically, he's one step ahead of these people, strategically. And he yeah. circled himself with really smart people that could help him pull it off. That's not the case in DeKalb County, Smithfield, Tennessee. Hmm. That case is you've got a strong mom who is questioning the male authorities. And I'm not a sexist, but I know what I'm dealing with. And Eric, I'll tell you, I, nobody has this. So I'll tell you, after being in the court the first time with the mom and dad, the stepdad, who mm -hmm. are fantastic people, they want one thing done. What happened to their daughter? It's not like they're asking for any, they're not asking for the Mueller report or they're not asking for right. something else, you know, crazy. They're asking what happened to their baby. So we're sitting in court and the judge 
does what the judge does. Now, my son was at Vanderbilt Law School at the time last mm. year. So I called him when I left the courtroom and I said, okay, I wrote down these things. This is this, this, and this. And um, I was able to talk over with my son what what he's being taught at Vanderbilt, which I suspect they do a good job. Um, <laughs> they probably do know the law there. <laughs> And I hope I, I do too, because <laughs> he's got a good job. I mean, he's a good attorney now. But what was interesting is my son was able to say, no, here's the reason you can't do that. And I said, well, the judge just did that. And he goes, well, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And while we were in court, the judge now understand I'm not loved. Um, right. The judge berated me there too. Yeah, I will listen to that. Oh, no, uh, you didn't. Yeah. You listened to the oh, third okay, what time. You oh, okay. Yeah, this is the first time. And I uh, looked at Sherry and I said, I don't think I should come to these cases because he obviously doesn't care for me. And mm. then he said something about Sherry, the mom. And I was like, okay, now we got a problem. Wow. So he didn't say anything about the stepdad or the dad. So strong females in the South that are aggressively questioning males is the problem. It can be. I, I live in Virginia. It's not that completely different from Tennessee. Now, fortunately here, there are very strong females with the military around, and I think it's mitigated. But I can see that because I've, I'm also from Arizona, and I think women are bit more equal there too. I would say Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, Northern Florida. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which is also known as Southern Alabama. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so those areas, they really don't want uh, to see a female saying, uh, 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 you might be making a mistake. I, I, yeah, I think there are some people who are still that way. Oh, they the, are the, that bless, way here. The bless your hearts. Um, but there, there are others who are not. I'm, I'm going to you know, say that, I, I hate to say it, a friend of mine said that science moves a graveyard at a time. I think it's similar here. A lot of this is very old-fashioned, traditional, and and it's it's slowly dying off. Well, um, the judges that I'm dealing with um, or the DAs are around my age. Which so, is sad. Yeah. And also, so I have another case where I have a female judge who's so fantastic. I can't say. You know, she follows the law so well. And I'm always sitting in her courtroom going, why can't we have somebody like that? I had... So I had Daily Mail 2020 and Dateline in a courtroom with me with that judge because I told them we're all three women um, and myself and the judge is female. And right before we went in, we were all at hotels chatting and stuff. And mm -hmm. I said, y'all, they all know me from my cases. They all, you know, mm -hmm. I'll call them and say, I have a case you may want to look at. And mm -hmm. so they'll come to the court cases and stuff. Well, so the night before, the cutest, she's Daily Mail, Laura Collins, she's adorable. She says, I'm nervous for you because you are giving this judge a lot of credibility and basically kudos. 
And mm -hmm. I said, just wait, let's see. I said, I may be let down tomorrow, but let's see if she follows the law. We go through court and we're about to wrap it up. And Laura taps me on the shoulder and she goes, you were right. But Laura has been through my other cases with me that these male judges and I'm, I'm married to a man. I have boys, you know, I'm not beating men up. I don't, I love men, believe me, but we, <laughs> we have a problem in, in Tennessee, I believe. With I, I actually think that that may be a tendency and I don't know if you've read some of the studies, mm -mm. but uh, a good example is how do you get more women in the workplace? you know, especially in STEM and places like that. One of the problems they've come across is that on applications, females have a tendency that if you put a list of five items that you need to have this, 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 and this, women will not apply unless they have a high percentage of those items, like all four or five, you know, like 80% to 100%. And men, on the other hand, men are like, well, I read about that once. And they're fine applying if they're about halfway there saying, I'll figure it out as I go. No, I, Interesting. this is, a, it is, a, you know, it's a very studied research thing. So it has come out that if you really want to apply or have more women, you need to be vaguer in the qualifications to where they feel comfortable enough to come in. Don't be too specific or they may feel that they're not qualified. Well, what's interesting. Judges could work that way too. Like, I think you're right. You know, crossing all the T's. Oh, no, the law says A, B, C, and D, and I have to follow 80 to 90%. Okay, I can interpret slightly. Or as a men are like, well, the law means this. This is the spirit of the law. That's a, Eric, that's actually probably accurate. But in, in Lauren's case, sitting there, now we know, you know, I, the judge, Got a smackdown, a Southern smackdown. Oh, oh no, no, it was beautiful. That, <laughs> that's not Southern. That's a universal <laughs> because it was legal speak saying this, this rube who put this ruling down is so incompetent. I can't, I mean, it, it, it was one of the hardest smackdowns I've ever seen it, but it's put in legalese, but essentially he was called a moron, incompetent and a dreamer. Well, and what's <laughs> funny about that is, of course, I sent it on to Dateline in 2020, all the people following the case, because 2020 was in the courtroom. You know, the audio that I have is because 2020 and, and Dennis Ferrier oh, cool. were in the courtroom and because he doesn't allow people to record. So you have uh, usually the first two times you had to put your phones and any recording device away. He doesn't allow it. So this I is, bet you he's going to enforce oh, that now for I, sure. That's, we only <laughs> that's needed it. this one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's up for election. Now, it's up to the voters in his area whether or not this is the kind of person you want. But I'm going to point one thing out that we haven't talked about. In that area, I question how many women are killed and murdered and nothing happens. And there is a documentary being investigated about that area right now. I'm not part of it. I just know of it oh, that wow. one of the major networks has a production company looking at that it's area. Pretty rural, isn't it? It's rural, but there are too many females in that water that die. Oh my God. That nobody does anything. And so uh, the, it's very interesting so you've got, and you have to look at it. You've got 
the sheriff who we know now for real what he's like and his detectives and then we've got the da who was a real estate agent or not agent real estate attorney now's the da okay well this sounds to me i mean i've got to ask the uh, three-letter question fbi why are they not there so you know <clears throat> I don't know. I think the FBI in Tennessee have a lot of other issues right now. Because hmm. this this does seem like uh, the point that, you know, I don't appreciate government involvement in, in civic affairs necessarily, but there is a point that sometimes a higher law enforcement that has uh, more stringent controls may have to come down and say, oh, what's your procedure? How does this work? How are you doing things? I'd say the TBI, but there's problems there too. <laughs> well, uh, to that point, now let me tell you, TBI looked at the case, said nothing to see you move along. Well, um, I would have said that's weird, but then I know about the Holly Bobo case. So well, and that's not the know. only case. So one of the things that uh, was a report recently was TBI was hiring. Two things happened on that. Number one, they hired someone's son who was a pizza delivery boy over an agent coming from California. Oh, we don't need anybody from California. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Yep. And, and besides, we know the boy. That's right. He's a good, he's a good old boy. You know, he's with the family and, and, you know, I could go both ways on it. It's not always insidious. It can um, be insidious. Sometimes the most qualified person is related and you've known them their whole life. Like your son, he's a lawyer. You probably work with other lawyers. And if he needed work, a reference, it, it could be fine, but it can be insidious. It depends. There's always nuance. Yeah. But my, my son's educated in law. I, he's not a pizza delivery boy. going. Oh, I, no, I, I, <laughs> We paid $300,000 for that education. He needs to, you know, he knows what he's doing. He's not delivering right. pizzas. Right. I, and like I said, that can be an, a gross and insidious, <laughs> but I did want to say that not all nepotism is bad. Okay. <laughs> if somebody truly is qualified. It truly qualified, but who's making the decision? That's the first story. The second story is, um, when they were picking the uh, new team, Mark Wynn had to step down. and uh, Okay, he did. Yeah, right. he did. Actually, everybody who attacked me no, no longer works at TBI. And, mm. you know, I'm sure there's one or two that were involved that I don't know about that may be still there. And let me guess, you can't sue them, can you? You know, and I'm not going to. Okay. The best thing to me is to move on and expose it. Why okay. would I spend money going after them? But that's that's true. Yeah. No, I, I the best thing ever is to expose who they are. And, you know, I don't believe in revenge. Now, I'll stand up for myself, I promise. But I don't believe in revenge, uh, including with my clients. But, um, you know. Or maybe make yourself so toxic they don't want to mess with you because they might get burned. Um, I, I'm going to say that I'm going to be the person telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And if I had a case and Mark Gwen came up against me, mm -hmm. I know I win. <laughs> 
because I'm going to be looking at the places that he would what go. I'm what I'm troubled by, though, is I hate the whole um, combative or win-lose scenario because really you're talking about a victim here and families, and there's no winning and losing. There is a crime, and hopefully somebody will answer for it or a, a solution or answer will be provided. And and that combative thing I, I think is so dangerous. I don't like it in the court system. I don't – I. It troubles me personally. I couldn't agree with you more, but the education I got on the Holly Bobo is it was a win-lose. They won against me on that until the trial, and they had to say, we lied, we were wrong. And then Funny, Channel 4, who fired Dennis Ferrier over this, mm -hmm. calls me to see if I'll do an interview because they retracted what they retracted about everything we did. They retracted mm. all of it saying I'm a liar, right? They call right. me saying, will you come on? And I said, retract a retraction of a retraction. <laughs> um, and I said, no, you had a story of a lifetime. And you all chose to go with what TBI was feeding you to say horrible things about your coworker. And he stood by me. I'll follow him anywhere. So I went on his show. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. You seem to have a definite relationship with him. And by the way, he had a obvious glee when he was talking about the, um, the, uh, judge being overturned. <laughs> <laughs> that, he, he wasn't hiding any of that. Yeah, that was, that was fun to watch. I was, yes. like, I was like, okay, he had Christmas early. I know. And there are a couple cases that we, you know, we try, it's so sad because we try so hard and you get beaten up all the time. And when they're, and I do call it a win because when I talk to the moms, I'll say there are two things. Cause I talk to my moms, all these moms, it's not, I don't mm. have just one mom. I have several moms. I'll say we had a good day today. We won a little bit. So I do use the win lose because okay, days, but that's win for justice, not like win like oh I beat you in court, he got off or he or he got prosecuted. I see what or, you're saying. Oh, we got somebody busted because that to me is the really dirty tunnel vision that prevents people being open to say, oh maybe oh we screwed wait, up or we're not right here. You know, rather than saying okay, we're just not right, we need to look into this and try to mitigate the damage not double down. Well, what's interesting about what happened, and I got a great lesson early on uh, with the Bobo case. What was really interesting is how they played it. So they had me doubting what I thought I knew and mm. had information and evidence and, you know, interviews. Oh, that's right. They, they played it off that you were incompetent yes. and you what was it um lied you made genuine errors that have now sent the investigation or had sent the investigation down the wrong path and wasted man hours and potentially mucked up the case right and there's a documentary being done that all of the foyas on that they're gonna have to back up oh, which wow. won't that be great to see well, that speaking of documentaries i mean uh, you're a walking television show, aren't you? That's I get asked all the time. 
I mean, has anyone approached you? I, mean, um, you, I get you, asked. You could be a series. I know. I get asked about three times a week, and the answer is no. Okay. Why? Because this is truly what I believe. There's only one of me doing this in the country right now. Me, right. working with the victims, doing from start to finish everything. I'd like to mentor. I have four girls, four girls, four women that I'm mentoring right now to hopefully mm. reproduce what I'm doing. And the two Michaels help you, right? Oh, I have. Yeah, I have. Uh, well, and I have other guys, but they're not going to step into what I do. They have their own niches. Right. Um, and then I am the only person that works really for the victims to find out answers. If I do a show these families have nobody what about out of curiosity and the reason why this came up is i've watched the show cold justice off and on for years kelly and yes it was very similar right. to me to what you're doing and i thought oh you should work with kelly is like oh wait no she always works with the authorities when they call her in <laughs> they're probably not going to call you <laughs> in no but a variant of that what you do potentially, you know, if not a dramatic series, which I was thinking obviously would be a, a very interesting series or even a serial comedy, um, but just a straight documentary series where you get these cases that could help fund it. I mean, the money is so, it's so expensive. It is. That you can get that TV money behind it and potentially get $100,000 an episode or whatever and it can go a long way. Right. You know, right now, um, the right thing hasn't come along. Let's just put it that way. And, okay. you know, I, the reason I do like People Magazine and 2020 and Dateline, and uh, I've got a great producer at Dateline um, and Crime, what is it called? Daily Mail. She's fantastic. You know, the reason I do that is because I know that's immediately going to get out there and like on Dateline, they're fact-checking, and uh, Daily Mail, they're fact-checking. They're going to make sure I'm telling them exactly right. So I like that kind of um, publicity out there. Plus, they may find out even more that you missed, and they can share it with you because they have a team. Well, and one of the things I don't work with, no, um, I always try to work with the police. I'll tell you that. That's always my first option. The door shuts very loudly behind me, however. Um, and I know it going in. But reporters always work with me. Right. That's, I may not work going in like Kelly does. And, you know, I know Kelly, we're doing CrimeCon. She's doing CrimeCon. I'm doing my oh, workshop cool. at CrimeCon. I know all these crime people. So um, some I have a great deal of respect for. Um, and the reporters are the ones that get things that not even the police may know because a family may tell the reporter something. So I may have something that they don't have yet. Well, yeah, and that makes sense too, because I'm sorry to say we're all a little bit of fame whores. Yes. So sometimes the reporter will get, because, like, Ooh, I'm on TV. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm also guessing that when you hit the case, you may get things too, because a, you don't have a time limit in five cases that you got to get to that day. And sometimes maybe a little time's gone by and maybe that person who was in love a year ago 
they broke up now and they had a horrible falling out and I'll get that son of a bitch. And I go in nice, very nice. And usually there are mommy issues. (laughs) And And you like to say you're the dumbest person in the room. I am. Which I, I, I see you and I'm LinkedIn connected with a, another female PI Kelly Martin who looks like a model and she does a lot of skip tracing and capturing people, bail jumpers. I'm like, Oh God. I look at the both of you. I'm like, you're so dangerous. You're so freaking dangerous. So, no, you're not supposed to see that. <laughs> oh, that's the first thing I see is like, I, I mean, everybody is going to assume somebody like me, six foot two, whatever. I, I just look like I can be a cop or, or whatever. I look like I don't belong. You can look like you don't belong and people will come to help you. Yep. Every time. And she's on that, you know, model side where she's just attractive. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 So she goes into the bar and it's probably so easy. Oh, you're going to buy me a drink. Here's a handcuff. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's, you just have to go in my, one of my mentors. Now the two mics, I only work with one of the mics. The other mic I worked on the, the, he worked the, uh, Lauren Agee case. We don't work in oh. general. I have a team. Mike Kenny is, he works celebrity stalking cases. So we will mm. work together on a few things. Um, and he won't tell me the celebrities. So I have nothing to gossip about. No, I wouldn't tell anyway, but, um, so you can't stalk him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love it. You just say, um, is it a how-to? No. <laughs> He's so good at what he does. And it's so amazing. He will call me sometimes and say, I'm going into this area. I'm turning my locator on. I'm the only one that knows where he is. Um, he'll be in LA mm. or New York or wherever he travels all over. That um, scary. It is scary, you know, and he's got four kids. Um, so it, it does it, that kind of stuff, but I have a team of people. There's, um, a podcast coming out that, um, resonate recordings and, uh, black mountain media and tenderfoot, which is up and vanished is doing. And the podcast is coming out in June and they hired me to be the PI. And I took my team and we, we, we went to a compound and did our interviews and um one of my new uh pis that i'm mentoring we were in the mornings we would have our meeting and she goes i've never been to a meeting where guns were handed out checked out (laughs) and i was like oh they don't do that in staff meetings she works for a christian right now yeah (laughs) they don't do that in staff meetings when you're going out (laughs) that's actually fantastic though I, i i have a military background and I have an appreciation for the armory and an, a weapons master who makes sure that a, that they're all functional, they're all correct, all working and that they're handing the proper equipment out. Mm-hmm. So we have one of the uh, guys that uh, we were flying into another state and all, you know, it, it just the logistics. I had PIs from Indiana. I had PIs from Florida. I had, um, you know, PIs actually from all over come in. And um, but we had one that handled the guns and, um, you know, he was former he did the game Miami cop um, and he handled just making sure everybody had the right stuff. 
You know, that brings me to a question that I had. And it was actually for my wife. But she likes to ask applicants, describe what to you is an ideal work day. Well, I rephrased it. Because of all the craziness in your life, I almost want to close with this question. Describe a typical, and if not typical, a recent work day. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to take you through the the a typical or a re just recent. I'll give you a recent. Because I'm assuming you don't have typical work days. No, I don't. That... <laughs> Generally, I'm gone from home. I'm sure. usually out of town for weeks at a time. So I flew from Florida to Mississippi, got there around at nine at night and had to drive <laughs> two hours to the, to the compound. And at the compound, two of the other investigators had already gotten there and checked everything out and you had chains and I mean, it was a, it's not an easy case. Okay. And, um, we all stayed together. So there were... 12 people in one house, all investigators working. And by the time we got there and settled, it was around midnight. And then at 2 a.m., some of the other investigators arrived. And then we sat down to prepare for our next day of interviews. 23 interviews had to be done. We had um, assignments for each person to go find these people. We... Um, you know, I, we had backgrounds and profiles and paperwork was handed out and who was carrying what gun, who couldn't carry a gun because they were going into a jail, um, you know, what to expect. But let me tell you, you never get what you expect. Sure. And then as we were going through the day, we had to go to the crime scene where it happened. And so uh, I generally, since I'm the lead, I go to as much stuff as I can, plus doing interviews, meeting with a potential DA, um, because I will say this, the judges, the DAs, and the sheriffs that I work um, cases around and see that they're not uh, defending the victims, I do mm -hmm. try to help the next time that they run to um, see what we could do about getting them replaced very mm. quietly, but it, it happens <laughs> probably not so quietly now, Eric. Um, but, oh yeah. Especially now. Yeah. <laughs> you have that in common with Kelly, by the way. What the going after a DA. I don't know if it's going after, it's just getting the right person in there. So, okay. You can word it different ways. Yeah, I'm not after <laughs> I, anybody. <laughs> I had a lieutenant when I was in the army and we talked about kicking soldiers out. And he said, I like to think I'm helping them find something that suits them. That's what I'm doing. That is okay. what I'm doing. Um, so getting, so I met with a potential DA to basically interview to see if I would endorse and, and get the, the women victims, families, um, to back them. So what I do is if you start as one of my clients, you mm -hmm. usually come in broken by the time you finish and we get answers and it may not go to court. You may not get a conviction, but boy, you are ferocious lion by the time I'm done with you. 
and we have answers and they've gone through this horrific process. So those moms have to work with me making changes. That's the deal I have with them. And every one of them is just outstanding. So if we pick a DA or a sheriff, they're working the campaigns to make sure that they get these people out. So met with the DA, um, council people. Then I interviewed another investigator who worked the case. And I think it was nine o'clock at night. I went over to the family's house and talked to her. And then uh, 11 o'clock, we have a staff meeting. So at 11 o'clock, everybody had to be back at the house, sitting in the dining room with their stuff all together for the next day. And that's that, you know, and then we sleep for two to four hours, but that's a work day. And then we get up and do it again. Wow. And I said that was going to wrap it up and be the last question. I lied. (laughs) Okay. And that's, this is directly related. What kind of emotional toll is this taking on you and your family? And I asked this specifically because you changed up in the middle of your life and it could be argued that your family could say, Hey, we didn't sign up for this. We signed up for another person. Great question. Um, it, it, it is discussed a lot around here. Um, so my children are grown. Okay. Obviously, one's an attorney in D.C., um, not criminal. He does not want to do that or anything like that. He's a patent attorney. Um, Money. <laughs> God, we hope so. There's a big bill behind that. <laughs> so he had to pay for college himself. We didn't do it. Uh, um, so the other one, um, he is in Seattle in that gaming industry that I, I, I still don't understand. Um, and huge industry, lots of money in that as well. Um, but my son, who's an attorney is not an advocate. He works very, very hard. My son, uh, and works hard for his clients, but he does not step out in the advocate role. My son in Seattle is an advocate, a victim's advocate. So, Mm. um, he takes after me. And, um, I see his role, you know, progressing in that way. So my son in Seattle supports any and everything I do. My son in DC does not. He worries all the time, um, because he knows the law and he knows Mm -hmm. what can happen. Um, my husband who is, uh, I can't even begin to tell, we've been married 31 years, so Mm. we've grown up together. I mean, we've gone through a lot and, um, the emotional roller coaster that he's seen, he has paid when TBI did their thing. We paid two very high priced attorneys, um, to keep me out of jail because they kept saying they were, if they could have, they would have thrown me in jail, but because we had very two high priced attorneys, it was going to be a little difficult. Then um, he's asked me to quit more than once. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I wanted to ask that because while it's, you know, seen from the outside as maybe being glamorous. Not. I, I can just see it as being a, a huge toll. And you probably get as many or more losses than wins if we're getting down that path. And that has to weigh on you. 
And that's why I have three dogs. <laughs> that's an accurate story. I'll tell you, Jeremy Taylor, his deposition, I drove away from there so devastated that I called my husband. I said, I want a puppy. He said, no. And I went and got a puppy. <laughs> oh, well, he should know better. He does. He does. He does. And I got a wild one, which is good because he keeps me busy. Well, thank you so much for coming out. Where can people find you and find out more? There, so you can go to SheilaWysocki.com. The podcast is getting its own uh, website without warning podcast. Very cool. I have three new expose podcasts coming out. Really? Mm -hmm. um, pretty shocking exposés. Um, so Maybe we can talk about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, when they hit, I think you'll probably want to talk. You'll be shocked. Okay. Well, hey. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please consider subscribing for free. And I mean for free. It is always free. There's no billing, anything else. You can subscribe in your player of choice, which is probably right in your hands. Or you can go to unstructuredpod.com. And there are plenty of links there. Thank you so much. And in the spirit of sharing... Here's a couple more shows you may want to check out. Mr. Hayes' office, how may I help you? Andrea, it's Marilyn over at Kennedy Parker Construction. Hello, Marilyn. Would you like me to connect Mr. Parker to Mr. Hayes? A fish surrounded by sharks. A secretary cursed by desire and ambition. Introducing The Diarist by Donna Barrow Green. The Diarist, an addictive psychological thriller, satirical, suspenseful, and full of twists. Available on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. Yes. I'm sorry if I've hurt your feelings. Or if something I've said has led you to believe I think you're incompetent. It's just been so long since you've given me any encouragements or compliments on my... Andrea. I do notice you. I like that blouse on you very much. You look very pretty, just as you are right now. Oh, well, I... It's very pretty on you. Thank you. What sort of fabric is it? It's silk. It's lovely. You have excellent taste in clothes. I notice. Would you mind removing your cardigan? My sweater? Yes, so I can see the blouse in its entirety. Why? I like it very much. You see, I do notice you. You know that, don't you? I don't have to tell you I notice these things. You know when I like something, don't you? I don't know. I repeated his words in my mind. I notice you. That was it, wasn't it? I wanted someone to notice me. Not Andrea the daughter, the wife, the secretary. Not even Andrea the artist or ad girl. I wanted someone, anyone, to see me. More than anything, it was Richard. Please don't think unkind of me, dear reader. 
Hi, this is Kara Mayer Robinson and I host Really Famous. I interview A-list celebrities. I dive deep because I used to be a therapist. This is what Tim Gunn said. I just have this antipathy for the judges. I can't stand being in the same room with them. Tim Daly. If you're not working in LA and you're an actor, there's no worse place to be. Michael Rappaport. I changed schools every year from the third grade to the 12th grade. Disruptive was my thing. Chaz Palminteri. I knew something was going on. I said, I gotta talk to somebody. It's Really Famous. It's like eavesdropping on a therapy session. Hi, my name is Matt Kirshner from Right Track Media, the podcast production service. If you guys like the editing you heard today, please feel free to reach out at matt at righttrackmedia.com. Track is spelled T-R-A-C. Again, that's matt at righttrackmedia.com.